You're listening to Hire Through Retire, a health and wealth podcast with FOIA leaders, Bill Harmon and Heather Lavalle, tackling all things from 401ks to HSAs and everything in between. We're talking to the best and brightest in the industry to bring you the latest in health, wealth, and investment trends in the workplace. Come along with us on our journey to help all Americans become well-planned, well-invested, and well-protected. Welcome back to Hire Through Retire, a health and wealth podcast. And here today, again, is my friend, colleague, and co-host, Heather LaValle. Hey, Heather, how are you? You know, here we are. We're in February. We're no longer going to say Happy New Year. We're, we're deep into 2022. We sure are, Bill. And uh, it's great to be back with you today. And, you know, let's jump right in. Um, our guest today is someone whose work we've all admired for a while here at Voya. And I've been lucky enough to share the stage with her on a few different panel discussions in the past. It's such a pleasure to have her with us here today, co-founder and CEO of Wealthy, Lindsay Juris-Rosner. Lindsay, welcome. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Bill. Hello. Great to be with you guys. And I do have to give you all a big shout out. I met you both probably a good three to four years ago at this point. And now the caregiving topic has become hot and topical, but you all have been thinking about it for years. So just such a pleasure to be back together with you. Yeah, that was really a great uh, introduction. And it just seems so serendipitous because, you know, it's our passions that we share. And, and let's talk about wealth because I understand that the mission and really the whole foundation of Wealthy is one that's rooted just deeply in your own personal experience. So, Lindsay, can you tell us your story? Yeah, sure. Happy to. My story, and I'll mention, I mean, I know, Heather and Bill, you share your own personal connections to Wealthy. Almost everybody at Wealthy does. So our entire team is very mission-driven. My story is that I got involved in my mom's care when I was a kid. She got diagnosed with primary progressive multiple sclerosis MS when I was nine years old. And I was involved in her care for 28 years, up until about four and a half years ago that she passed away. And taking care of my mom was absolutely the single hardest and loneliest, most stressful thing that I've done in my life still remains the case. And it took on a lot of different shapes and forms over those years. After I graduated from college in my early 20s, I moved home and would get mom up in the morning and help her get dressed and on and off the toilet and help her with breakfast. And then I'd go into the office and sneak home to help her with lunch and then go back into the office and then return and help her in the evenings. I made the tough decision to move out in my later 20s and proceeded to be a caregiver from afar. So setting up support and infrastructure, hired and fired in-home aides. We went through hospitalization, surgeries, special treatments. In the last year and a half of her life, she was on hospice. And it was really through my personal journey, Bill, to your point, that I just became personally compelled to create a better care experience for families like my own. Your story, it's amazing because you were trying to live, you know, you had a life as well, but you're taking care of your mother and, and all of these things. And Boy, I mean, just think about that passion that obviously came from that and what you've done. And as you know, I'm a caregiver as well of my son, William, who has Down syndrome. But at the same time, we were kind of the poster child of the sandwich generation to where we were taking care of my mother-in-law as well and trying to figure out how to move her into the appropriate um, assisted living facility and, and all of that. And just when life happens and you think about the cats in the cradle and so on, it doesn't always just happen like that. There, there are those little kind of changes from the road. So, you know, as we laid out, we know that there's 
really so many families that are having their own similar experience, like what you and I just shared. And it it means there's a significant portion of American uh, workforce that really could use some help here. In fact, according to industry data, about 17% of U.S. full-time workers act as caregivers. It's really interesting. I mean, you know, I think it's just so under-discussed. You know, 90% of long-term care is handled by families. You know, so any type of diagnosis or, or complex condition requires really significant effort and time and investment on the part of family for a significant period of time. I think the latest data I've seen is that the average caregiving sort of journey for a family will take on average about five years. So that's really significant, especially when you think there's a some large number of people who will be caregivers for years, if not decades, like, like you, Bill, and like I was. You know, if I can jump in too, and I just, you know, thinking about Lindsay reference when we we met several years ago, which probably, if, you know, pre-COVID feels like a decade ago um, of, a, of a different time period. And, you know, I, I know we were so impressed with at the time what seemed to be a little bit of unknown needs that that Wealthy was was addressing. And I know every time we engage with you, our own employees would kind of talk about their own story. And, and I, I remember you know, going through my own a couple of years ago of needing to help my mother-in-law who had been a caregiver for my father-in-law for about 20 years, who was paralyzed, who was then suffering from dementia and living, you know, a, a long way away from us and trying to figure out how do we navigate in-home care and understand how to, you know, find an elder care attorney. And as you said, that that this is something that is such a huge need. And, and I think right now it's even become that much more paramount. So I'm going to pivot and um, tie this back to a few weeks ago, we had on uh, Jim Klein and uh, Jim is with the American Benefit Council. And, and he talked a lot about the research that he and his colleagues have done on the concept of trust and really focusing in on workers and finding that workers have just a huge amount of trust in their employer. And in fact, twice the level of trust they have in government and really looking to their employer for guidance. So in that context, can you talk about how Wealthy works with employers to support caregivers in the workforce and what it means for trust? Heather, we've really seen this through, especially the last two years, is exactly to your point, employees really turning to their employer to say, what do you have or what can you offer me that can help me with my situation so that I can come to work and be more engaged and be more productive? And so we've really seen benefits leaders, HR leaders, almost acting as frontline workers, you know, responding to these traumatic sort of moments in time that their employees are facing. And so unfortunately, it has become an employer's, I don't know if responsibility or duty are the right words, but it's ended up the case. It is falling to the employer to support employees. And employers are actually stepping up, you know, as we've seen, as our client base has grown significantly, employers really are kind of meeting the needs of employees, whether it's through benefits and programs like Wealthy, through programs like Boy Cares, through expanded leave policies, and a whole host of other solutions that can really address various employees' needs. Um, And it's critical, right? Because when you look at the last year alone, it's roughly 3 million women who have stepped out of the workforce due to caregiving needs. So caregiving becomes not only, you know, a mission critical, you know, initiative for retention, if you want to retain your high value caregiving employees, it's also 
a DEI issue, you know, it's a women's issue. If you, you know, we see all the time mid to senior level women who are in that sandwich generation bill, as you mentioned, and just feeling squeezed, right? It's too much to take care of kids and parents and maybe in-laws and maybe a spouse, maybe a sibling, whoever else, and come to work and really put your all into your day-to-day role. So we're seeing employers really kind of conflate the topic of DEI and caregiving and really get behind it. And we think that this has obviously really meaningful results. You know, we see caregivers without any support really stressed. It impacts mental health. We saw from a Blue Cross Blue Shield study that caregivers experienced 26% worse health, experiencing things like obesity and substance abuse and heart disease. And then we see it impacting, as you all know very well, family finances and all other areas of their lives. Um, And so in helping And just trying to do a lot more on raising awareness of the, like just helping to build the category. You know, I think what we've seen in the last two years with mental health becoming so much more kind of destigmatized and normalized with celebrities coming out, it's like more acceptable to turn to a friend and say, I'm feeling really down. I'm going to start seeing a therapist. Like that's normal. Um, And we want caregiving support to feel, you know, being a caregiver and to think about seeking support to feel similarly normalized. Employers experience gratitude. Employees feel so much more loyal and appreciative. They feel seen, they feel respected, they feel included because, you know, they're, what they're dealing with at home is not this thing that they have to ignore and leave behind them, but it's something that their employer cares to support them with. And so to your point, that helps build trust and employees feel heard, seen, and respected. And therefore they turn that respect back to their employer. And, and there's a lot of trust there. So I think that's really well said by your, by your guest. You bring up a really good point in that everything I'm hearing from our customers these days is that, that there's just a war for talent, trying to attract and retain employees. And you know, I'm sure that 17% of the workforce um, as a caregiver, I'm sure that number's growing dramatically, particularly as people continue to go ahead and share that information. But Wealthy and the services you provide, as you mentioned, right there, that, that's a very experiential, very emotional kind of a, a benefit. That if the employers are looking for ways to attract and retain employees, this is a really good service for those employees. That, like you said, they'll really appreciate their employer for providing that, and will help create more loyalty from their employees in this really competitive job market right here. So, let's say that the employer says, "Yeah, I want I want wealth to be part of our benefits." plan. So what would that experience feel like on the employees end? Let's say that, you know, I'm an employee, <laughs> my situation, so I know how it works, but if you could share with our listeners, let's say that I'm caring for um, either a child or a parent with dementia, let's say, well, what might that look like for the employee? Sure. So, you know, we would encourage the employee to sign up wealthy.com. We collect a bit of information on what that individual is experiencing. So We'd like to know kind of who the care recipient is, mom, dad, child, what the major conditions are that they're battling, and then any specific needs that the family might have. We typically see that the most common needs that across the board families come to us looking for support on are help with sourcing, vetting, finding the right in-home care for a loved one. That could be for a parent or a child. Anything around financial coverage, you know, does insurance cover this or that that I'm needing for mom or dad? And then if not, how do we pay for care? And then the third one is just the kind of 
day-to-day blocking and tackling, finding providers, scheduling appointments, arranging transportation. So those are kind of the major reasons families come to us. So in the signup, you know, an employee can mention the things that are top of mind. We use that information to match that employee up in real time with the best fit care coordinator. We have almost 200 people in our, on our care team now at Wealthy. And so we have a really kind of wide breadth of experience on our team individuals who have spent a lot their entire career supporting older adults with cognitive decline or children with complicated care needs. And so we're matching the family up with somebody who really relates, understands, and can help with their particular situation. But in an example you brought up, dementia care is really challenging. I mean, we see employees that, you know, this is a condition that the caregiving situation will take years, if not decades for a caregiver um, who's heavily involved. And, and there's really complicated stuff, right? Like it's not just as simple as loss of memory or cognitive decline. There can be other really challenging issues that families face, like people who uh, get very angry or um, lash out in some way, deal with new types of behaviors like hoarding behaviors or other types of kind of unusual or newer manifestations, the dementia. And then we also see really troubling things like wandering and people who are at risk for falls and uh, getting lost, that sort of thing. And so a lot of the work that we do with employees who are dealing, especially with a parent with dementia is helping that employee know what's to come, feel like they have a game plan, and then help to be the arms and legs to do the research and find the right solutions, resources, or providers that are the best fit for that moment in the dementia journey. So Lindsay, that was a great example of kind of what the employee would do. Could you give us maybe a little further to where you talked about the time involved in trying to research, for instance, if you're taking care of a parent with dementia, an assisted living facility, not only the time to go ahead and research what's the appropriate facility, but the cost ranges are dramatic. And, you know, if you're not experienced that, you don't know what to do. Could you give an example of what Wealthy would do to help that employee out with both time and financial resources? What we see is things just kind of come up, right? As you're taking care of a parent with dementia, for example, you know, and you're concerned about your parent wandering and potentially some safety issues around getting around the house, you know, as an employee, to take the time to figure out what do I need to even research, what's covered by insurance, you know, what are suitable solutions for me in this moment, you know, and then to have to make the phone calls and find the right solutions, you know, first of all, that's going to happen during the workday, during working hours, right? Because none of the solutions operate outside of working hours. But secondly, most employees don't even really know where to start and nor, you know, why would they, right? If they're going through this for the first time. And so Wealthy's role is really providing partnership to the family, guiding them through kind of what are the areas of consideration for their particular situation. So in the case of wandering, thinking through different technology to help kind of trigger, you know, safety alerts if there is a wandering episode, to make sure that the uh, house is safe for mom or dad to get around so they're, they're not at risk for a fall. And then to consider, you know, potential additional care and support in the home, you know, maybe hiring that in-home care provider, in-home aid who can, can help mom, not only with activities of daily living, but also provide some companion care. And those are the types of solutions that, you know, really would be very challenging for someone who's newly experiencing a caregiving situation 
to know to consider, let alone know how to vet and evaluate. So Wealthy provides that partnership. And then we go out and do the work. We vet different solutions. We will negotiate on the family's behalf. We'll save countless number of hours and then also a ton of money, right? Thousands of dollars. If you're going to hire an in-home aide to come into the home, getting that hire right, but then also knowing what to pay and any financial resources that can help cover the cost is thousands of dollars worth of value for that one year loan. And if that's a multi-year relationship, you can see how it really adds up. You know, Lindsay, if, if I can add into that, I remember hearing a, a story, just kind of a real case study of a woman who was trying to find care. Her, her mom needed to be moved to a, dis, a different uh, elder care facility and didn't know where to go, had been rejected. So trying to figure out how to vet them. And um, I, I think I heard this uh, one employee quote and said, you know, the only time that I could contact these facilities was during the day when I needed to be working. And I didn't necessarily know what to be looking for and about availability. And so these types of uh, services, just as you said, they can save so much hours and you've got the expertise of experienced social workers who this is what they do. And so that's something where it seems that it's a benefit that is almost hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, because it really is caregiving concierge at, at its best. Lindsay, you know, it's so easy to see how the caregiving uh, services are just a huge game changer for families and caregivers. I want to bring it full circle and talk about our, our listeners who are primarily plan sponsors, advisors, consultants, HR professionals. Can you give us some, you know, shed some light on how these types of programs benefit not only the employer, but also the advisors and consultants? What benefits are they going to see? And Maybe also add in the context of something you hit on earlier, which I want to explore a little bit more is uh, mental health and, and some mental health issues. So maybe kind of talk about, you know, this in that, in that context uh, for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. I and mean, I, I would say, you know, employers are definitely hearing the need. I think the role of advisors and consultants is very critical to help employers know the category exists, right? Like, I think a lot of times employers will know that these one-off situations are happening. You know, employees who are really struggling with children who have various learning needs and they don't quite know how to support them or a whole bunch of sandwich generation employees and they're hearing it, they don't quite know how to support them. And so I really do think it's a critical role for the advisor and consultant to help educate on the category of caregiving and then, you know, to to the best of their ability, get smarter on the different solutions that are in the market and, and the unique kind of differentiation that the different solutions bring. I think it makes advisors and consultants smart to their clients and also helps to bring a real solution to a real problem, a palpable problem that, that clients are facing. So that would be my guidance there. And then, yeah, to your point, we, we were talking about this earlier, which is that we see the opportunity for the caregiving category to just gain more awareness. And we're already seeing this happening, almost like mental health has experienced in the last couple of years, a real sense of awareness and urgency. You know, employers are very tuned into the mental well-being of their workforce, and it's normalized, right? Employees feel comfortable saying to one another, you know, I've been feeling really anxious and to start talking to therapists like that feels more comfortable than it did even just a couple of years ago. And we're really seeing that caregiving is probably a couple of years behind mental health. 
where we're going to start seeing the caregiving support category become better understood, better known, see more urgency around helping employees with caregiving, and um, hopefully see the topic get more normalized and destigmatized. And I'll just point out one thing, which is we can't talk about caregiving without also talking about all the other kind of financial hardship, social determinants types type of topics. And we're seeing this every day here at Wealthy in our business. You know, we're supporting employers who have people who are sandwich generation dealing with multiple loved ones. We also have employers who have a worker who is experiencing domestic abuse, has taken her two kids out of the home. They're living out of the car. They're really concerned about COVID exposure. A child has some sort of learning need. Like these are complicated situations that employees are dealing with when you factor in the financial hardship and especially kind of what folks have gone through for over the last two years. So it is starting to feel more and more pressing, I think. Yeah. And I think you're so right. I mean, COVID really did heighten that or accelerate that. I mean, just really put up a brighter light. And I'm so happy that employers are listening and thinking about what they can do about it. So the whole story is so compelling. As we wrap up, Lindsay, you know, and as I shared, I'm someone who is a caregiver and someone who's had so many conversations with this community and with employers and those who are making the tough decisions about what benefits to offer um, to their employees. Do you have any advice for employers or even people managers on how they can better support the caregivers on their teams? What, what can we do to create an environment where people can thrive? Well, I think that they're very sort of simple answers, which is just leaning into the topic, right? You know, as you hear that employees are struggling, you know, it always can be, you know, it's an awkward conversation because it feels like you're digging into their personal life, but people want to talk and people are comfortable sharing. And so the first, first step is just to dig in, ask questions, better understand kind of the root causes or pain points to help identify where the employer can step in to support the employee. Do more surveying, understand what are, you know, you're going to hear the squeaky wheels, you're going to hear the employees who are comfortable speaking up, but, you know, keep in mind there are a whole host of employees who are not comfortable speaking up and feel some sense of shame or stigma and won't talk about their caregiving situation. So anonymous surveying where you're asking questions that don't use the word caregiving, but instead ask about who's in your circle of care or who are you, whose care are you involved in, something like that. And then really start to address these needs. You know, it is absolutely a workforce issue. Employers will experience retention issues if they're not supporting caregivers. And so identifying those caregiving needs and the right solutions to help leaning into the topic and um, just encouraging kind of discussion and normalizing around the topic, I think are, are the best and easiest steps there. Lindsay, I want to uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and, and just to kind of recap a little bit of what you've shared with us today. And, you know, we've, we, we often uh, share with our listeners and talk about the importance of looking at the comprehensive benefits program and whether it's things uh, that a benefits broker or, um, you know, consultant advisor are bringing to their employer clients to address both the health and protection as well as workplace savings, whether it's emergency savings, saving for retirement, saving for that unplanned expense. And really what we've talked about today is understanding how the whole caregiving solution set can really complement those overall benefits programs and address something that is a complicated need. Um, As you talk about, we have 
you know, five generations in the workforce today. Many folks are sandwich generation with really complex caregiving need. And just this category of solutions is something that can help uh, workers and their families in a huge way and help employers uh, with retention and, and attracting talent. So just fabulous. So, you know, Lindsay, again, huge thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for, for summarizing that so beautifully, Heather. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, it, it was such a pleasure to be with you and just so proud for our continued relationship and collaboration. You know, what Boya and Boya Care is doing is really just so meaningful for the caregiving space. And you can't decouple caregiving support from financial kind of considerations. And so I think it's smart and critical that Boya is raising awareness of the topic. So thank you again for having me on. It's such a pleasure. Well, it's great to see you. And thank you so much for what you do for this community. We really appreciate it. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's episode. As always, if you want to keep hearing more, remember to go to our show page and hit subscribe to be notified on each new episode. Thank you all so much for coming along on our journey today. Stay well. This information is provided by Voyeur for your education only. Neither Voyeur nor its representatives offer tax or legal advice. Any opinions expressed within do not necessarily reflect those of the Voya family of companies or its representatives and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Please consult your tax or legal advisor before making a tax-related investment or insurance decision. Products and services offered through the Voya family of companies.